Hello and welcome to Super Saturday is a comic book media podcast where we rank media by its story, impact, and visuals to figure out if these projects will stand the test of time. I'm Damon A. And I'm Jay Hayward. And each episode will be focusing on your favorite comic books, TV shows, and movies. This weekend, Soups, we're going to be talking about when Star Wars saw its renaissance once again into the public eye, positively this time, with Star Wars The Clone Wars. On with the show. All right, so before we hop into our Star Wars talk, Jay, did you read the next issue from our last episode? For Fantastic Four? No, unfortunately, I did not. Where it was the Future Foundation, correct? Yeah, it was the Future Foundation. No. Uh, basically, they just like stopped all the Fantastic Four books and then just started doing Future Foundation books for a little bit. And I think towards the end of his run is when they brought back the Fantastic Four title. It was for like you know stylistic story purposes and shit. So, Star Wars Clone Wars came out in 2008. Do you know what was happening in the comic book world when this movie came out? So around like 2008, along with this film coming out, it was also the kickoff for the show, The Clone Wars, of the same name, as well as the video game Forced Unleash mm. had come out, as well as a Clone Wars comic series had started around this time too. Really? Oh yeah. There was a lot of Clone Wars content that was being made, a lot of like kids books around this time. Like Clone Wars was really their next big thing that they wanted to push hoping that it would grab people after Revenge of the Sith. So tons of stuff like that and Forced Unleashed, which has become a lot of people's favorite Star Wars game and favorite video game still to this day. I remember being fun as hell. I remember I was in a GameStop and remember how like they used to have like demos for you to play shit and everything. I remember uh, they had Forced yeah, Unleashed yeah. in there and it was on, I want to say Xbox 360. And it was the beginning of the game where you were able to play as Darth Vader. It was just fun as hell. Like, the use of his force powers and shit. And I'm pretty sure when the game came out, I could have sworn I heard something about how, like, after the game came out, a lot of people were talking about this is what they would have, like, thought and wanted to see if there was going to be new Star Wars films. Because that game, like, had a lot of cool ways to use the force. And I'm pretty sure when, like, the newer movies came out, they even looked towards the game for a little bit of inspiration as well, too. Forced Unleashed was a, a big deal. Everyone really enjoyed it and thought that it fit really well into the side history of Star Wars. My question for you is, what was your first introduction to Star Wars then? Yeah, uh, my dad made it a big deal for me to watch Star Wars when I was really young. I have one of those VHS boxes where it has all three of them, where it's like the very last time on VHS. And it has uh, some interviews with George Lucas. They were not edited or cut into how we know like those movies now, because like George Lucas went back and, you know, he's he's re-edited the movie like three or four different times now. And I fell in love with like Clone Wars and stuff with that. So for me, it was like straight away. Like, straight when I was a kid, it was New Hope and Empire, and this was right when Attack of the Clones came out on DVD, uh, Phantom Menace came out, so we were watching that stuff at home. 
So like I came out at like the perfect time, at least for my dad to just shower me with Star Wars stuff as soon as I was like able to have any memory. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, what about you, Damon? Honestly, it's weird because like I have like, I would like to say that I have like a little bit of knowledge more than the average moviegoer about Star Wars, but like Star Wars was never like my thing. Um, I remember it being something that was around like when I was a kid and everything. I remember um, I had like a box of VHS tapes and Star Wars was like, actually the prequels were like some of the ones that were in that chest. And every now and then I'd like turn it on. I would not know what the fuck I'm watching. I remember I'd turn it on and I'd see like the long scroll screen thing and I'd be like, what the fuck is this? I can't read. Um, let me turn this <laughs> off. And then I also remember in 2005 when uh, Revenge of the Sith came out, I remember um, Burger King had like those like watches that came in like a tin and they were like a digital watch or whatever they had. Oh, dude. Yeah. 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 I got those. And then I also remember going in the movies with my dad to go see uh, Revenge of the Sith. And I barely remember the movie. All I remember was that it was fucking epic. Like it was epic. Like I remember liking that movie a lot and actually feeling sad and just free uh, over Anakin, like going to the dark side or whatever. But my first experience with Clone Wars was a little bit different. I'd say, like, in fourth grade, because that's when it came out. At my school, a lot of the kids like Star Wars. So, like, I was trying to get into Star Wars. I remember the first episode premiered on Halloween on Cartoon Network, I think. I remember catching it at, like, the ass end of the night and barely knowing what was going on. It was just something I'd, like, watch every now and then. I'd catch on and every now and then. I don't know. Like, I'm surprised that Star Wars didn't really grab me. But, you know, those are my first experiences. Now, I will say this. I watched all of the originals one time. I remember uh, back when they were showing them on Spike. Remember that channel? I do. I do remember yeah. Spike. And I remember that they would show those movies a lot. Yeah, they'd have, like, a whole fucking marathon or whatever. Uh, they had one during, like, Memorial Day, I think it was. It was during a holiday or some shit. And I remember I watched all of them. Liked it a lot. But it never was something that was like, let me dive into the fandom. And uh, I will say, though, like the behind the scenes of Star Wars and even like the lore is something that's always fascinating to me, but doesn't grab me. Like, for example, the fact that you were mentioning that, like, you know, what's in canon, what's not in canon. The fact that, like, once Disney bought it, they got like a whole committee of people to sit down and sift through what's canon, what's not canon. And we're going to like throw shit out and then do what we got to do now and then or how like the fucking prequels the prequels came about because there was books that talked about the lore and the prequels pulled from the books to create the pre just fucking wild shit like the fact that star wars has lore that's being built out and still like and like the people who are making the movies are even faithful to some of the canon that's being adapted. It's very interesting. I, I like that's most that's I don't really see that happening any other other place. No, yeah, it's 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 preserved very well at, at least now. I was a big fan of the books before it went through the giant purge. Now I didn't read a whole bunch of them because there really was like a lot of books. But there was a lot of really interesting stories that came out of those. Canon uh, now has been changed up a whole lot. Like even Force Unleashed the game is no longer even canon. That's all stuff with Rogue One. And there was some Disney Channel show that ties into Clone Wars now. Rebels, yeah. Yep, Rebels. Mm -hmm. And then there's Bad Batch now. And they're really building off 
really just making a lot of the canon kind of like how they're doing it with Marvel with a lot of the movies and shows having characters like Mandalorian and Boba Fett come back and it it's it's changed a whole bunch now since then mm-hmm. but I I used to be a big fan of of the books for sure I know that like um with the comics for Star Wars as well too there's a lot of people uh, who read the comics because they do have a lot of ongoings that are going on today that are actually distributed and published by Marvel which is kind of ironic because uh, back in like the 70s when Star Wars in the 70s and 80s or whatever, when the original trilogy was coming out, Marvel actually did have a deal to pump out the books at first. And then they lost the rights and the rights and then went over to Dark Horse. And then when Disney bought Star Wars, it went back to Marvel. I do. I do know a little bit about that history. Granted, I don't I don't read a lot of the comics that come from like Dark Horse and or the earlier Marvel runs. I know a couple stuff afterwards when Disney purchased them. Mm-hmm. Like there's this one uh mini series of Darth Vader and he goes through like another like type of like training or trial or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I heard about that. A lot of people were saying it was that. good. That that's really the one notable comic that I can say that I remember off memory, but as you can see it's also kind of foggy. So I that's still like a world that I don't know a whole lot of. I know a lot of like the older books. I know about all the different films and shows. Though I would argue that there's just a lot of that kind of stuff now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Personally, I felt as though that when Star Wars stuff used to come around, it felt a lot more, I guess, like exclusive, you know? It felt a little bit more of like a luxury when we saw that kind of stuff come around. That's what made like when Force Awakens had uh, been announced, made that such a big deal. Um you know, I can go on about that kind of stuff. Um, what do you say we get into this movie, huh? All right. Buckle soups. We're going to a place. What's, what's, what's it called? Long time ago or far, far away? Yeah, we are going a long time ago or a galaxy far, far away. Anyways, let's dive in, <laughs> soups. <laughs> Okay, oh. so oh, this one, this one's off the rails. We are just off the rails this time, baby. But you know what? We're having a good ass time. Okay, mm-hmm. Star Wars: The Clone Wars is a 2008 American computer animated epic space opera film, directed by Dave Filoni, produced by Lucas Films and Lucasfilm Animation, and distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures, becoming the very first Star Wars film to not be distributed by 20th Century Fox. All right. So before we like, you know, get into our discussion and might I add soups, this episode, Jay and I are just going to have a discussion based thing instead of our usual play by play summary. So before we dive into just, you know, our whole discussion about this, Jay, what was your initial thoughts on this? Uh, Like coming back into it or like the first time watching it? I'd say coming back into it because this was my first time watching it, but I want to know what like what was your thoughts coming back into uh, it? Yeah, so I remember the film being kind of stiff and kind of boring. I remember it not being very exciting as the show becomes later down the line because I'm a big fan of the Clone Wars show. I still haven't finished it. I got up into the point where it got canceled back in like 2013. Didn't it come back? Yeah, it came back for on uh, on Disney Plus. I think they had like a season or two seasons or something, and now they kind of have a sister show, The Bad Batch, which is pretty much just a sequel after that. Like, 
there's there's a whole lot more that's come out since like 2013 for it uh so i don't know a whole lot of the later stuff but i remember that the movie by comparison a lot less action-packed and at first i was kind of worried that it was going to be kind of a slog to watch and get through because a lot of the stuff at the beginning is pretty stiff animation wise in comparison to what they do later on where things feel a bit more fluid in their action sequences i'm glad you touched on that because i was watching this and i was like the animation was ass like it's weird because it was like very inconsistent there's times where it'd be better and then times it'd be trash it it kept going back right it you could almost feel as though where different parts of the the huge bits of the budget actually went into the production of this film listen you know there was a part where ahsoka was watching oh like was walking it was like towards the beginning of the movie and you could tell that like they just like made her body go up and down up and down to simulate walking <laughs> and i was like what the hell am i watching and you know i I, I was just taken aback. Like, there's moments where I was like, my notes are all over the place, and I have so many questions. I've never seen this movie, surprisingly enough, though. I got it for Christmas one year, but I never watched it. And uh, animation was inconsistent. And it's weird, because there's like, I would write one thing on my notes saying, hmm, I don't know about this. Then I'd come back around, and I'm like, oh, okay, this part's actually pretty good. Honestly, I just, I have mixed emotions. It wasn't terrible, but it was like, it felt like it was something that really wasn't fleshed out. And honestly, at some point I was like, why does this feel like three episodes smashed together? And upon doing some research, this movie was actually three episodes smashed together because George Lucas saw the anime, like saw the, saw the show. And he was like, you know, in love with it. And he was like, you know, this is like so moving. I want to turn this into a movie. Let's just go ahead and do it. And because George Lucas being George Lucas and Star Wars making money, he convinced Warner Brothers to be the distributor. And they were like, sure, you know, if you think it's going to be successful, let's do it. The minute that Warner Brothers logo came on, Jay, I was expecting Scooby-Doo to come out. I don't know why, but every single time, yes! <laughs> every time, every time that logo comes on, I think of that, you know how like in the first one from 2002 where like he bites it and it's like, he's like, <laughs> that, that whole thing. Oh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, dude. I, I've thought the same thing. I totally forgot that the Time Warner logo shows up. I forgot that this is like the first Star Wars movie to not have the opening crawl. That's Some what, will yeah. tell you that it's Rogue One, but it's technically this. The narration took me out. The narration took me out. Oh, my God. You're not a fan of the narrator? No. Okay, okay. I like the narrator. It's fine. It felt very cliche because like the first place my mind was going to, and hopefully we cover it on the show one day, the Wonder Woman show in the seventies did something very similar with the fucking narrator. Honestly, the narrator sounds almost exactly the same, especially when like, uh, in the show, like, cause you know, like the first season of Wonder Woman takes place in world war two. And mm. the whole thing is like a freaking montage of what's happening in America. And it's like, Nazi Germany, who will save us? Who will stop the terror? And then boom, Wonder Woman, all that type of shit. I was expecting fucking Star Wars to come on the screen with Star Wars or with some shit. I don't fucking know. Well, I guess a couple of things. For one, since they didn't plan for this to be a movie like how you were saying, this was meant to be different episodes for the show to get people, you know, to kick off and, and get interest and learn who Ahsoka is, who becomes super huge now like she has a live action show coming out yeah which is, like wild to me 
I mean, honestly, the way how it shaped up, though, I feel as though it works better as a movie as opposed to it being a couple of episodes. Because I feel as though if I were to watch these individually as part of the show, I would lose some of the interest, I think. Yeah. It's it's definitely not one of the solid stories that comes out of the series, for sure. But it it's mainly here to try to help better, like, establish all these newer characters or not so much the newer characters like Rex and Ahsoka, but also bringing back Yoda and Samuel Jackson as Mace Windu, which was fucking wild that he came back and actually did the voice yeah. of Mace Windu for this. And Christopher Lee. That also blew my mind because I thought that it was the voice actor from the show who also just sounds exactly like Christopher Lee. So I thought it was him until I read the credits. Mm -hmm. I was blown away that they got him for this. Apparently, they actually were going to get the entire cast to come back for this, and they just chose not to. Like the, It wasn't the actors didn't choose to. It was that they chose to just go with the voice actors instead. Like I can't imagine this show without the voice actors that it has in it, you know, like Ashley Atkinson and James Arnold Taylor and Tom Kane and Matt Lanter and all these different guys who, who were part of this show that has become uh, a lot of people's entryway into Star Wars if it wasn't for the films and something that still to this day garnishes a lot of fans attention and rewatch rate and something that still keeps people connected to Star Wars ever since you know it's become into this bigger media conglomerate I guess we should get a little bit into the plot though yeah what this really is so that way people have an idea like we were saying, the plot is broken up into three parts, but like the whole through line of this entire thing is that we're introduced, uh, you know, to, to our usual players, Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin and everything. We're in like the thrills of like, I'm pretty sure this takes place like within the first year of the big Clone War that was talked about in the older movies or whatever and then the prequels. And uh, yeah, so basically we're in the thrills of that and Obi-Wan is talking about how he actually wanted to get a new Padawan. And Anakin is basically saying, like, you you know what, miss me with that shit. I don't want a Padawan. And he actually ends up getting a Padawan, and that Padawan being a new character, Ahsoka Tanu. And the whole movie is him learning what it means to be the master to a Padawan, but it's also a lot of other intrigue and shit is happening in the movie, too, such as the Jedi are going to be... They're, they get fucking... Um, framed for kidnapping Jabba the Hutt's son while they were trying to actually have a treaty with Jabba, which yeah, like, I have a question about that. I really do. I have, like, yeah. I have a couple of questions for you, Jay, since you know more about this shit than I do. Uh, well, first question is, is this movie on your Star Wars rewatch list? Because I was like, I Googled this and some people don't even include Star Wars, uh, the Clone Wars into their shit. Oh, totally. Especially when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I couldn't just watch one of these. I had to watch all six of the films, all of the originals, all of the prequels. Sometimes I would watch them in the order that they were released. Sometime I watched them in the order of the timeline. I was really into watching these movies as a kid. These and the Pirates films okay. and uh, the first two Turtles movies because miss me with that other shit. Miss me with Turtles in Time. And uh, honestly, no, TMNT I would watch. 
much, but now I'm getting sidetracked. For me, when this movie came out, I remember as a kid, really liked it a lot more than I did a couple of years ago, which now I would say I like it more now than I did then, just like a few years ago. I feel like um, it's important to watch it because it's one of the last few quote unquote movies that really had George Lucas in some sort of control mm-hmm. and part of the creative process as an executive producer up until we got into the show and he was a part of that until it got canceled. And then as soon as Disney bought everything, he split and now we don't really have that kind of perspective in it. So I feel as though that that's kind of important because if anyone knew how to really connect the show to the project, it would be the guy who made it. Mm -hmm. I mean, granted he gets a little like wacko, but I would argue that there's a bunch of other authors out there that are a lot worse with their product. I'm not going to, I'm not going to name names in particular. So that way I don't cause any controversy, but well, I guess, uh, I guess if I have to throw one out there, the Harry Potter series kind of really, I knew you were going to say, I knew you were going to say it. I mean, like it's a very large elephant in the room, right? But like, yeah, like it's not, it's nothing like that though. It can be convoluted sometimes, you know, and that's where the books came in and the long convoluted canon. And when originally all this shit was like Luke Skywalker's kids and all this other kind of stuff. And Boba Fett had this longer story. Obi-Wan had a different background. You know, it was, everything was just like different then Hmm. too, you know? Um, but no, to to long-winded way of answering your question, yeah, no, this would always be a, a much needed and necessary rewatch. I don't know how I had the retention for it as a kid, though, because there was a couple of times watching this where it was kind of a slog. Because here, let me tell you a little bit about the like the different plot lines here. So the big thing here, so everyone at at home remembers, right? Job of the Hutt's kid's been taken, right? Pirates, separatists, most likely Count Dooku. Are separatists right? Siths? That's, that's what I was wondering. Like, is that the same? Yeah. It's like so, the same word. So there's, so there's two parties. There's the Galactic Republic, which is uh, the house, which houses like the Galactic Senate, because there's like this giant Galactic Senate for all these different planets, and then there's. The separatists, oh, e. which are ran, yes, ET was there. ET was indeed there, and his and his little buddies. Yeah, they were they went they popped off when uh, what was his what's his name Jar Jar Binks when Jar Jar Binks was coming up into that council. ET was popping off, dude. Anyway, man, um, that's the one thing I freaking yeah. like. I love the little Easter egg because uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg they're like best friends or either they're like really good friends. Or they're whatever. huge friends. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, big friends to this day even. Um, but no, uh, the separatists are, are basically the trade federation and, uh, the Sith and like a couple other parties that are all like evil and bad and, you know, yada, yada, summer space pirates and whatever. And they're basically like the opposing party in the war Mm -hmm. that wants to have the, the Sith as a part of the galactic Senate and them create this whole empire, which essentially they, they do because the leader of both the separatists is also the same leader of the galactic republic i'm glad you touched on that because how the fuck did no one put two and two together that's the one thing even as a kid when i watched revenge of the sith right even as someone who's not a big star wars fan 
even I knew that bitch is evil. He looks gross with his liver spots and saggy skin and dark circle oh, eyes. Chancellor he looked like Mr. Burns. He really does. <laughs> that, that, that's like me coming up to Mr. Burns and saying, oh, that, what a nice man. He gave me some fucking hard candy. I'm not eating that fucking hard candy. Like, come on now. Um, that's the one thing I never understood is, um, you know, actually I actually had to Google that. I was wondering what made Palpatine evil. And apparently he's been evil since like, since jump he even murdered his own family and uh yeah no he's he killed his he killed his family mm-hmm. he killed his jet his sith master yeah he has the ability to raise the dead kind of what not really wait 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 wait, wait. yeah so you, you just really glossed over that okay Darth Plagueis. Have you ever heard of the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise? A little bit, yeah. Damon, didn't he tell Anakin so, that and um tell Anakin that story in the uh, Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, like uh, it's 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 about like this big Sith Lord, and he he to bring people back to life. Palpatine kills him, and that's like kind of like the irony of it. But so like, how, he I... he claims that he, I don't know. Apparently, he has to have it because he comes back in the ninth movie. Wait, what? Yeah, dude, he's he came back. So, but wait, where so the fuck was he when Darth? Uh, I mean, I know Palpatine does come back. Are you saying Palpatine comes back? Yeah, Palpatine comes back. I remember in that. Episode nine. I remember that. I thought you meant like Darth Plagueis came back. No, Darth Plagueis has not come back yet. He will though. He most likely will at some point. Because why not? Okay. Because why not? Money, you know? Uh, all like, right. there's got to be some Star Wars fan out there that's like, we have to finally make the story of Darth Plagueis. My- my and... question is this though, if um, if because okay, Star Wars to me as an outsider looking in has always been steeped in science with like a little sprinkle of magic, but the magic is still connected to science if that makes sense. So if raising yeah, the yeah. dead is something that can happen there, that's just flat out fucking magic at that point, right? I mean, we never like we never see it happen necessarily. Well, I mean, we kind of see it happen later on in the clone wars show wait what technically like darth maul kind of goes through that process because he comes back for a while um do you know about those episodes that's kind of wild i remember they were advertising that that, like crazy on cartoon network i remember they like had had a whole spot about darth maul appearing on the show Dude, he showed up in Star Wars Rebels. Really? Too. Like, yeah. Which, he when he Why showed he show up, up in, the in movies, Rebels. The new movies. Well, the, uh, Rebels explains it because uh, he has this huge vendetta on Obi-Wan ever since he got split in half in Phantom Menace, right? Mm. So he comes back. He gets found again during the Clone Wars by his younger brother, Savage Opress, and... He gets back all of his, like, memories and his hatred towards Obi-Wan. So, essentially, his entire life is kind of dedicated to finding him. And eventually he does when Obi-Wan's, like, super old, like how he is in Episode 4 and stuff. And uh, Obi-Wan kills him on Tatooine. Oh. Yeah. So, it eventually becomes, weirdly enough, like, the biggest rivalry revenge story in all of Star Wars I guess you can say okay. when you think about it. Cause that's from like when uh, Obi-Wan was like, like 21 probably till like when he was like 70. Okay. You know, since we're talking about memories, yeah, none of this has to do with the movie though. Yeah. <laughs> since we're talking about memories, you know, the one thing I was noticing throughout this entire movie though, is that like, 
R2 really has seen some shit. And, you know, it, it got me to ask this question. If 3PO was around Padme and also R2 was around them and everything, I Googled it and said that, look, just asking, if that was the case, why didn't they say shit in the first, like, movies, right? And uh, apparently, I had no idea about this, 3PO had his memory wipe numer- wiped numerous times. However, R2 has never had his memory wiped. So R2 couldn't have said some um, shit or he couldn't have showed them some recordings of of some something. Well, technically his mind get, did get erased as well in Revenge of the Sith. Both him and 3PO get a mind wipe. Mm. But C3PO goes through that process like a couple of times. C3PO is actually weirdly enough like a badass in the comics. Is he really? Yeah, like do you have you ever seen uh Force Awakens that he just has a red arm? Uh, yeah, I did see that, yeah. So there's this whole side comic where after like the events of Return of the Jedi and a little bit after things kind of went turmoil and resistance or whatever and like the later on movies, still not about Clone Wars, but whatever. <laughs> um, C-3PO ends up on like this weird planet where it's him and a bunch of other droids and he loses his arm and he's trying to figure out his way back home and the arm is actually like one of the droids that helped save him Mm. but had like died in the process like it's actually this really like deep and depressing story and uh it doesn't get like brought up at all in the movies like in the movie it gets brought up like one moment like seep throw being like wow red arm that's weird Mm. and like it never gets brought up again no both r2d2 and c3po have been through everything in the series i think everything but rogue one but i think they showed up in rogue one too i think R2 like they, showed they're up in, in everything one. if it's r2 usually c3po is not far behind so i think he might be in that too i can't remember though okay true like you know as we were talking about the beginning of this like movie it literally was at this point where i could tell where they broke it off like around the 20 to 30 minute mark is when like okay this was the end of a first episode and I got to say, I love Ahsoka Tanu. I really do. And I also, I'm iffy on the damn animation. I really am. The animation really made me think this looked like a video game. And like we said earlier, like it just felt there's moments where it was like fluid and there's moments where it was just like ass. And uh, yeah, after I looked into it, apparently, because um, George Lucas was also the reason he was the reason why they chose the animation to look the way that it did. Because uh, he was telling them that, like, he didn't want something that looked like Beowulf or, like, you know how, like, there was that time where they were doing, like, mocap animated movies or whatever? He didn't want to do that shit yeah. because he said it looked weird. But he also didn't want to do something in the vein of Pixar because he said it looked a little too childish. But he wanted something to be very distinct. He wanted it to be stylistic. He wanted it to be real at the same time. And he also was inspired by the 2003 show. And uh, that, and then he also said for this movie, or just for the show in general, he wanted it to look like it was a like film, like a live action film. So that so instead of like doing usual animated shots, he told like the whole direction of the show they wanted to like have dynamic lighting, but also have the way the scenes played out as if it was actually like a camera there shooting it and whatever. It was really interesting diving into that and shit. I just, I don't know. I don't know really. I don't really know where I stand on my final like opinions on the movie, and uh, 
the person who really stuck out, like I said, was just Ahsoka. And uh, they did not give a damn about that damn baby. Because how the hell is it Anakin was, like, dragging that baby <laughs> across the floor? They were stuffing that baby in the damn fucking backpack while it was screaming. They didn't give a damn. And you know something, Jay? I have one question for you. Well, another question for you. Is that mm. baby Jabba supposed to be the baby the Jabba that we see in um, the original movies? Uh, no. I, honestly, I don't know what happens to Jabba's son. But it's the same Jabba that we see throughout all the other films. Like, it's the same dude. But the baby's name Th- is Jabba, too, up- though. I don't remember what the baby's name no, is. Is they it said, actually they Jabba said, They said towards the end of the movie it was Jabba. His name is Rata the Hutlet. Oh. Or Rhoda. Okay. Rhoda, Rata. Yeah. Or a little stinky, as uh, Ahsoka likes to say. No, Ahsoka, to get back on Ahsoka real quick, though, Ahsoka's badass. As a little kid, I'm not going to lie, Damon, I had a crush on Ahsoka. I'm not even kidding. I thought she was badass and was able to work off Anakin very well. The voice actor for Anakin is phenomenal as well. The All these actors did a really great job making sure that there is a lot of that core identity. Ahsoka really didn't have any of that, you know. She was a brand new character, like Harley Quinn was to the animated series. And then she became into really... The, like one of the forefront characters now for DC, which is kind of wild to think about. And Ahsoka kind of falls into that now with Star Wars. There's so many people that have latched onto this world and this franchise because of her and other characters like her, which is wild. But she really doesn't do a whole lot for me, at least in these first 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just due to the fact that a lot of the time here, and I think this is why we're kind of sidetracking all over the place, Soups, is because most of this movie is people sitting in a room yeah. or standing around, usually around like a table or something, and talking about what their plan is going to be. And then we will cut to another group, either talking about the same plan or a new plan or a different group with their counter plan. And then we see the animation really pick up when they have huge, intense battles. Like there's this one point after the very first beginning 30 minutes after we learn that Jabba's son's been kidnapped. We are introduced to Obi-Wan and Anakin and some of the most generic like script writing that oh you can really God. hear for the something The dialogue like this. is ass in some parts. You're absolutely right with that. Oh yeah. And it goes at like a breakneck speed. Like I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa whiplash. Just like Yeah, right? Fast. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm wondering is it because it was episodes? Then I thought about it, and I'm like, even if it were, like, let I me mean, not were, because it was supposed to be episodes. They were originally, then they just smushed them together. But, like, if that's the case, even as an episode, that doesn't sit right. Like, you guys just, like, there's nothing wrong with being fast-paced, but, like, if you're going to be fast-paced, I shouldn't notice that you're being fast-paced. This was like, wait, hold up, wait, what the fuck is going on? After this, there's an episode in the Clone Wars series. It basically becomes the pilot, I guess, where we see Yoda and a couple of clones. And that one's paced really well because it's just one story. But after that, we have a three-parter straight away, and it's about this ship called the Malevolence. Mm. And I would say that that was a much better introduction if you were to get someone into this than I would say maybe this movie. This does a good job, I guess, introducing our newer characters like Ahsoka Tanu and Zero, Jabba's uncle, 
You mean Droopy? Was it Uncle or that nephew? That was Uncle Droopy. He had he yeah, had, his he name had Droopy is Zero. voice. He really did. You know Droopy <laughs> the dog? Yeah, he had that voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, oh. He did have that voice. Dude, uh, d- can you believe that this character comes back a couple of times in the show, actually? Really? I thought this would have been like a one-off yeah, character. Zero, Zero becomes kind of prominent in different points. Uh, I think there was also an episode where someone's trying to assassinate him. I can't quite remember. But he comes back a couple of times in the show early on. Same voice actor? And Yeah, same voice actor. We still get Droopy the dog. Oh, Don't worry. Gosh. And you know what? If he, no it, if he was justice. shot, I feel like it'd be fucking hilarious. He'd be like, oh, no, I think shot. Ah. Ah. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, he was a little bitch, but he was he was funny. He was funny. I, honestly, though, I didn't expect that to be the voice that came out of that damn character design, though. I was taken aback. Yeah, right. Everybody else, it I could buy it. But like, with him, I was like, oh, okay. We're doing that. We're going there. You know, it just reminded me, though, something else that I made note of is that, like, the tone felt like it was all over the place. Like, there was moments where there was comedy. Okay, there's nothing wrong with having some comedy. But then there's moments where a fucking uh, clone, he, like, a droid, snatched him up and then shot a, a damn big-ass hole through him. And I'm like what and then there's a moment where one of the clones is allowed to curse and i'm like wait you can curse okay oh i get you yeah no it it seems as though that it does have a difficult time really trying to hone what part of the audience that it wants to really grab that's again why i feel as though this isn't a great introduction to the clone wars mainly because it feels as though that they're trying to make sure that they can appeal to a newer and obviously younger audience. But then there's a lot of more adult themes that are shown in it. Like for me, one thing that bothers me in the film is the fact that this is like a big deal for Anakin to be asked to go find the son of the alien, I guess. I don't know what to call it. The son of the hut, I I guess. that He's a crime lord, so hey. But he's a crime lord that put him and his mother and all these other people into slavery and that's all that they know on all these different planets in the outer rim outside of the galactic republic's control and he had to watch his mom die within that servitude on that same planet because she was not cared for you know she was married and kind of freed kind of released after being bought off and but only for her to end up dying due to like Tuscan Raiders and stuff for him, this would probably be like a big deal to come back to Tatooine. And for a lot of people, you don't really believe the idea of me even now. And I'm a big fan of, of the show and not even, I wouldn't say a big fan of this movie, but I, I do appreciate this. The idea of Anakin coming back to Tatooine is kind of like a big deal because y- you wouldn't really expect him to after the events that happened in attack of the clones. Mm-hmm. It was glazed over. Yeah, it was. There was a couple moments hinting towards it and showing that there is definitely some issues that the character has about talking about his past, especially to Ahsoka. But it doesn't really go into any more than that. But there are other points where like people are getting full on like murdered in like the wildest of fashion, you know, and there are a lot of other types of like adult ish themes that reside within these different acts so it does feel kind of odd to see that stuff and then like a couple of droids doing slapstick humor and falling off the side of a wall 
it, it, it gets disjointed for sure. And I feel like the show has that kind of issue until probably like a couple of seasons in mm -hmm. when it finally has the more dar die hard audience that is willing to actually really push out and stick into the more serious parts. Um, no, I, I can totally agree, though, that it does feel, especially at this beginning, like they don't have a full grasp of where exactly they want to take the show just yet. Exactly. I mean, I know that, like, this movie technically serves as a pilot, so, like, and they didn't make it with the intentions of it becoming a movie until last minute, so I can give it some leeway, leeway in that regard, but, like, the one thing that I really want to touch on with that, though, since you brought up how, like, a droid falling over, and you did touch on the voice acting, the voice acting is kind of spotty in this movie. Like, I would say, when it comes to the leads... 100% fantastic great but when it comes to secondary characters it feels very half-assed and there's one part in particular where I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so damn hard it was when one of the, like the really big like beefy like I mean it's metal so would it really be beefy but the big ass mm -hmm. fucking droid he gets knocked off the wall and he's like no <laughs> I did not expect no, that. The, I was dead. The show has a lot of issues like that. Uh, James Arnold Taylor, Matt Lucas, the guys who play Obi-Wan, Anakin, they've been playing those characters since 2003. Mm -hmm. So, of course, they have it down solid. A lot of other people, I don't. I feel as though have that kind of issue because... But when you think about it, Star Wars in any concept is always kind of like bizarre. Yeah. You know? And with this kind of show... It, it doesn't really have the most colorful of dialogue as well, you know? So for a lot of these different kind of actors that come in and, and step in to the different, uh, like, side characters, they don't hold a lot of the same weight for sure. And I think, again, that goes into the writers still trying to figure out how exactly they want to take the show and... Uh, just, you know, the kind of issues I think that come up in any kind of pilot that comes around, you know, and I feel as though that Star Wars has never been one to really be the exception to that rule. This for sure. Um, but anyway, we've been getting sidetracked on this for sure. I want to make sure that some people have an idea of at least what happens after this, because we get the introduction of one of my favorite characters by far. Asajj Ventress Oof. and I gotta know what you thought about Ventress you know actually yeah. I was gonna get to that I had that in my notes too because we're getting towards the end of my notes in all honesty but I loved her like I already liked her when in all the things I've seen her in and everything because like I said I watched the show like a little bit um love the voice actress uh she voiced Catwoman in Batman the Brave and the Bold she also voiced Black Widow in the Marvel Ultimate Alliance video games has a star-studded freaking cast of characters that she's voiced and i gotta say asajj ventress amazing character design and amazingly just voice acted and i don't know i just love her as a character i wish she was in the movies and i honestly i don't even know if they if she if she if she was put into live action i don't even know if they'd be able to get someone to do her justice entirely now i understand that like you know they got rosario dawson to play ahsoka and she's been fan casted for like a while and uh, actually, what's your opinion on Rosario Dawson being uh, casted as Ahsoka? 
Honestly, I'm not too sure on it. Really? For me, I've always been a big fan of the voice actor who has been for Ahsoka. I can't remember what her name is. Uh, let me see if I can pop that up here. Hold on. Uh, her name is Ashley Eckstein. So, Eckstein? Ekinson or Eckstein? Eckstein. I think it's Eckstein. Ashley Eckstein. Ashley Eckstein. So for me, I've always been a big fan of Ashley Eckstein's performance within the show. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's just kind of weird seeing that finally being passed off to a different actor uh to be honest with you the trailers as well for the ahsoka show haven't really garnished or, or gotten a whole lot of attention from me necessarily like nothing's really been very mind-boggling and i think that's the kind of issue that exists right now with star wars that made this movie really great at the time when it came out that there was essentially in the pop culture side of things apart from the prequels a, a bit of a drought for new Star Wars content. This has been things were really starting to kick off outside of like, I think Old Republic had come out around this time and all the older kind of games. And we get things like Force Unleashed and the Clone Wars and that really stays successful for a while. They end up with another Lego game. And then after everything happens with Disney, you know, Star Wars has been at an all-time high when it comes to a whole bunch of new stuff. So I think it's also kind of still surreal to me in the belief that this character that has started from Cartoon Network worked her way onto a whole bunch of different Disney shows and has now made it into this live action. It's the same kind of thing I think people want out of Ventress as well, mm. you know, where that is a character that was around from, at the very least, the 2003 show. I can't remember if she was in the books and she ends up having this wonderful story within the show about her becoming kind of like this pseudo bounty hunter. And then uh, turns out that she's like a night sister, which is a whole thing connected to uh, Darth Maul and his brothers. And that becomes a whole thing. She is also a character just like Ahsoka that becomes very dynamic mm. and changes a great deal throughout the series. And I think that she has one of the better introductions. Same with Count Dooku. Same with Count Dooku getting reintroduced as well. Both of them have that sinister quality to them whenever they're uh, presented on screen. You know, uh, there's like one shot that I think about um, with Ventress, with Ventress uh, walking towards Anakin and Ahsoka, mm -hmm. and R2 just closes up uh, an escape hatch as they're trying to run away from her and a couple of her droids. And uh, she just has this commanding quality to her that I really love to see out of these kind of characters. And I feel as though that a lot of characters that Disney has made on their own, I feel as though some of them try to hit that same kind of quality mm -hmm. of commanding the screen in the same type of way of like her or Darth Vader or an Obi-Wan Kenobi have but they've never been able to really do it as well either. I don't know. I've, that That's a whole different tangent, I guess, on it. I think it goes comes down to, like, are they able to make an iconic character? Because making an iconic character is something that's, like, you can't think too much on, but you also have to be able to, like, hit the right notes because she has a great character design, an amazing actress to bring, bring her to life. And then from what you're saying and the stuff that I've seen, very dynamic writing and just depth. And uh, all those factors will really make the character iconic. And honestly, watching her in this movie, it kind of made me think of uh, 
mystique from the original like not 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 Jen not the Jennifer Lawrence one like the original one by Re- Rebecca Romaine and how like mm. every time she was on screen she stole the screen and was she given little to do yes but every time she had for um she had lines or even did her thing you knew some shit was going to get fucked up like in a, like in a good way like she finna do her job um Nah. But, like, those are the vibes I got with that. And you know something? I got one last question before we wrap up this episode, Jay. Hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong. So, basically, at the end of the movie, uh, Padme is able to secure the treaty. Um, So, the treaty is to allow the Jedi, with their clones, to move freely through Jabba's, uh, you know, jurisdiction, right? So, my question is, is this treaty, like, one of the reasons as to why in, like, the later movie, like, the, well, the original trilogy, why Jabba is cool with the um, Empire? Uh, I think the one thing about when the Empire comes around that's a lot different than how it's handled during the Clone Wars is during when the Empire is taking over, there's still like a shit ton of them that end up taking over Tatooine. Essentially, when it became someone like prominently ran by Hut and his and his gang, as did a lot of other different places within the Outer Rim, a part of Tatooine. When the Empire came around, he kind of lost a great majority of that power. He still had a lot of respect within the Outer Rim, and a lot of people still feared him, which is why he still has. Uh, prominent popularity in his own little place and like Return of the Jedi and stuff. But he's not on the same type of level as when he was originally. And that's just due to the Empire. Um, essentially, all of the Galactic Senate gave power to uh, Palpatine. And when it that established the Empire and they continued building like the Death Star you know, that's when everything really kind of changed into how power was handled amongst all the different planets in the galaxy, Tatooine included. Mm-hmm. So he's not really in power, but he he still has a lot of, like, prominent power behind the scenes, if that makes sense. Okay. I think one of the most intriguing things about Star Wars is the fact that there's a lot of intrigue built around, like, what was the world, like, what was that world like prior to the empire and darth vader having his grip grips on everything i think the most interesting thing to me is the fact that like the jedi were like basically diplomats almost they were like a little army almost uh and apparently that came from like the books first and then it was just you know i think i think we mentioned it earlier in the show but like uh that was always intriguing and then the fact that like palpatine was able to corrupt the system because uh, another thing I found when I did my own little research is that, like, uh, one of the reasons as to why Palpatine was successful was because he also had, like, some people in the government who were, like, who knew what he was doing. And they kind of were just, you know, letting it happen. Yeah. No, like, half of his cabinet of members, like, I don't, I don't really know how all the Star Wars politics work, I guess, on, like, a finite level, you know, because... I just don't follow it in that deep. Mm. But everyone that was essentially with him 
uh, always around during like Senate meetings and stuff were all very aware of what Palpatine was was part of and what he was doing, uh, especially because that just cemented them a better spot in the council when the Empire happened, which I don't really know what happens to them after everything gets established with the Empire kind of just ends up where the Empire is just or the Emperor is kind of just like sitting around a lot. Like Palpatine is just a dude that kind of just sits around a lot <laughs> when you think about it. Um, but yeah, no, there was a lot of people that were really inside of the co council that were playing for the other team that were playing for the Sith the entire time. And that's something that is a huge deal and what has made the prequels and them being like this whole group of knights and peacekeepers, the Jedi, as opposed to them just being like a bunch of monks, mm. you know, a bunch of religious monks, which is what really the canon seemed to have put them as before it became more than the movies, you know? Hmm. See, that type of yeah. shit is always interesting to me. I think I think the behind the scenes and the how the franchise became bigger than it initially was is what makes it even more interesting to me. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to be a big Star Wars person or whatever, but I'm just saying that that is fucking intriguing as fuck. Uh... I know where I stand on this movie is that I would say if I were to give it a, a rate on a scale of one to five, I would probably say maybe a three. Maybe a three. Okay. I'd probably okay. Middle three. of the road. Yeah. A little middle of the road. I mean, we didn't say a whole lot. I feel like on the movie that we kind of went a little nuts into different like Star Wars, like lore and history uh, for the movie itself, though. I got to say, like, there's a lot of fantastic or for my closing thoughts, I guess. Um, there's a lot of fantastic visuals and a lot of ways how they cheat backdrops, you know, make, making them into paintings and different ways that they're able to try to make that stiff animation that we we're talking about work, especially, again, during their giant ac action sequences. There's an awesome fighting sequence with Obi-Wan and Ventress, a kick-ass fight sequence between Dooku and Anakin, who have a lot of history. And technically... Ventress and Anakin also have a lot of history. The scar that's on his face is because of Ventress. Really? The little, like, scar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, um, like, this show is kind of mostly loosely tied to the 2003 show, but not really, but kind of takes some stuff by it. It's a bit weird. Um, but in that show, they have, like, this gigantic cinematic fight in the jungle or something. And that's when he gets the slash, if I remember correctly. Is that why uh, Ahsoka said in the movie, I heard the jungle was dangerous? Uh, no, no. That was just when they were in the jungle earlier. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, again, that's another fantastic fight scene and what really turned the movie around for me. Because originally I would have given it a lower score than three. Uh, this three out of five score, you know, that, you, that you're ranking it here. Um. But it was these kind of moments when the show really picked up or when the film really picked up around the second half and around the third act prominently is when it became a much more engaging story and the showrunners had a better idea of what the story was that they wanted to tell. And uh, they did a fantastic job throughout the whole film with its overall characterization of Anakin and Obi-Wan that allows them to stay interesting into the show. So I think with that, with the kind of impact that this has, I would kind of give it a four. Really? Okay. No, I still really enjoy it. Okay. I would probably give it a 3.5, three or 3.5. Okay. All right. But like, uh, 
it wasn't bad. I won't say that. I know that the movie didn't do pretty. It didn't do too well critically. Financially, it did a decent amount, primarily because it was a cheap movie to put out, and it did. It was a financial success, but critically, it was a bomb. Uh, primarily, from what I was seeing in the reviews, it was honestly for a lot of the reasons that we were stating. Some of them were talking about the animation being jarring in places. Oh, before we go, I, I really want to touch on something. There's a moment in the movie where Obi-Wan is supposed to be like in like there was supposed to be some shading, but like the shading didn't look too well. So it looked like he was in blackface for like a split second. Oh, did, did you see that scene? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. I don't recall this. Oh, my God. Soups. Like I was taken aback. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like his whole like face was just brown with blue. eyes. I was like, oh, OK. All right. <laughs> Disney, Disney, you're gonna have to go fix that. Oh god, you know they do. They edit their shit on um Disney Plus, so. Yeah, I don't know if this is on Disney Plus. Though. That is a good question. It probably wouldn't be allowed to be since it's a Warner Brothers distributed movie. Here it is. Oh, okay. Yep, they have it on here. I'm curious if they still have the Time Warner stinger at the beginning though. They probably don't. Or if they edited that out, they probably put the fucking castle. Yeah. Big ass CG castle. Gross. They probably did that shit because I'm wondering. Like the reason why I was saying like I wouldn't be surprised if it was on Disney Plus was because, uh, to my knowledge, I'm pretty sure Warner Brothers still doesn't own the rights to Batman on television. Oh really? Yeah, because Fox actually owned the rights to Batman on television because of the '60s show, and when got that's why Gotham was on the Fox network. And in order for the show to happen, um, they would need permission and vice versa. But uh. So since Disney bought Fox, does that mean they own the rights to TV Batman? Does that mean we can get... Um, Live action TV, oh, oh. mind you. Does that mean we can get some wacky and wild Batman stuff at any point? I mean, I'm pretty sure they have to ask permission from Warner Brothers first. It, it's a weird thing how those rights things work. I wonder if the, if the Clone Wars movie went through any sort of issues like that prior. Because I don't think it was on there originally. It probably was like they had to probably just like talk it out or some shit. I don't know. But what did you guys think? Did Star Wars The Clone Wars hold up? Be sure to give us your answers by reviewing the show or messaging us on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. Your messages and reviews can make their way on the show. This was Super Saturdays. I'm Damon. And I'm Jay Hayward. And make sure you also check out Damon and I on our Instagrams at Damon underscore 1003 and at Jay the movie gal. See you next Saturday, Soups. And may the 4th be with you. Hey, Soups. Do you enjoy the music here on the podcast? Then why don't you check out our buddy Jake Voigt at jakevoigtmusic.com.